Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I want to talk to you today about how we are oftentimes paralyzed by our past. As we all know, we're into the second weekend of a brand new year. And a new year really is far more than just the changing of a date on a calendar. At least, hopefully, it's more than that. In fact, a new year provides the possibility of new opportunities, the possibility of new experiences, and at some level, hopefully, the possibility of a brand new life, new dimensions of life. And I've learned over the years and continue to see in my own life, and I'm sure that you will see this in your life as well, one of the greatest enemies of anything that's new is something that is old. The old things of life often get in the way of the new things that God wants to do in our lives, the new habits that we want to form, and the new life that we want to live. And these old things, they, they disrupt our lives, they hinder our progress, they get in the way. And I'm going to talk this weekend about how Jesus came to help us find the way out of the old and into the new, how Jesus is our way maker out of the old and into the new. Now, one of the key aspects of this, one of the areas where we get stuck most often is in our past experiences. Oftentimes, it's your past, the old things from your past that are hindering you from going forward into your future. We often talk about people having baggage, and all of us have baggage in our life. We have things that we carry with us from our yesterdays, failures, experiences of life, traumas that we've gone through, emotional baggage, spiritual baggage, relationship baggage that we're dragging around with us, and we drag that into our present, but it's always pulling us toward our past. And the Bible teaches us how we can overcome this because this kind of stuff in our lives has a paralyzing effect upon us. And this paralyzing sense of our past has a voice that speaks to us, a voice that says something like this, there's no way you're going to ever escape this situation. There's no way you'll ever get over these things in your life. You'll never get beyond this. You'll never get around this kind of aspect of your life, this part of your life. And these voices oftentimes are very loud and very intimidating. Sometimes the voices in your head are voices that are very, maybe even soft or vague, but they're nevertheless there. They're haunting you and telling you, you know, you're kind of stuck in where you've been. Don't expect to ever get any further than you are. It's a message of restriction. It's a message of failure. It's a message of defeat. It's a message of ultimate resignation. I'm just going to give up because I have no hope that I can ever get beyond this part of my life and what I'm dragging with me from my past. But I'm telling you that Jesus is the answer to all this. Jesus has a way to get you out of this situation. He is the way maker to move you beyond the paralysis of your past. And to understand how he does this in our lives, there are three truths today that I want to share with you that I think will help us to really grasp how this works in our lives and how we can move beyond this. And we'll look, as we come to the end of today's message, to a particular illustration of this in the life of a lady in the New Testament. But I want to lay the foundation first. And the foundation that we want to lay is important because this really is the, the beginning point of understanding how the enemy works in our lives, our lives to keep us stuck in the old and in the past. So my first point is this. 
you were created by God with unique potential. Now, perhaps you've heard that before, and you may know that mentally, conceptually in your mind, but I want to remind you at a deeper level today that you were, you were uniquely created by God for a potential, with a potential. There is no one on planet Earth like you. You are a unique creation of God, created on purpose. You're not an accident. And the Bible is extremely clear about this. One uh, passage that illustrates this to us or teaches this to us is Psalm 139. Notice in verse 13 through 16. Let me read for you from the New International Version. It says, For you, the David, David the psalm writer says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Let's stop there for a moment. Notice he says, You created my inmost being. God, you did something for me. It's very personal. You knit me together in my mother's womb. This speaks of the beauty and the sanctity of life. And then he goes on to say, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that beautiful? It's the psalmist describing that he's a unique creation of God. He's not just describing it for himself. He's also helping us to understand that we are uniquely created by God as well, formed by God purposed by God, that God has a purpose plan for our lives. So when you were created by God, listen closely, when you were created by God, God placed a seed in you. When he made you, there's a seed in you. And this seed is what I would call a twofold seed. It's the seed of your personality, and it's the seed of your productivity. Listen again, it's the seed of your personality, it's the seed of your productivity. Let's talk about personality first. That there's a unique personality that God has given to you. Now, it may come and does come in rough form. It needs to be perfected and shaped into the image of Jesus. But you have a unique personality. No one is quite like you in your personality and the uniqueness of who you are and how you relate to the world around you. And then there's a uniqueness to your potential of productivity in your life. By that I mean you have unique gifts and abilities and the ability to make a contribution in a way that's special to you. And these seeds are actually inside you when God formed you, when God created you in your mother's womb, when there was that moment of conception, you're created in your mother's womb, God said, I'm putting the seed of potential, a unique personality and unique potential of possibility and productivity in their lives. There's seed of potential in you. That idea of potential means there's something there that can be brought and developed into actuality in your life. So potential is seeded in you by God at your conception and at your birth. And potential is seeded by God in you also at your new birth. When you're born into this world, conceived and born into this world, and the human birth, there's potential placed, seeds placed in you. And then when you're born again into the kingdom of God, there's spiritual gifts, spiritual abilities that are given to you as well. But the realization of this potential 
isn't automatic. It's not guaranteed. The potential is present. It's there. It's in you. The question is, will it materialize? Will it be realized? And that's what I would ask you this year. The potential in your own life, are you going to allow it to be realized and grow in you and develop in you this year? That seed of your unique personality, that seed of your unique productivity, are you going to see it materialize in a greater measure this year? Obviously shaped and formed uh, more, uh, more uh, fully into the image of Jesus. Here's the second thing. Now, based upon the fact that you have unique potential given to you by God, here's the second thing. This is the crux of the matter today that I want to talk about. Your potential is targeted by the devil. Please note this. That potential, the seed of who you are, that God made you, created you, formed you in your mother's womb, that seed that's in you is targeted by the enemy. Your potential is targeted by the adversary. That means this, we have to understand that there, there is a devil, there is a, there's a force, there's a personality of darkness and hordes of darkness that are designed to come against you. He is after you. You are targeted because of your potential. He comes after you and comes after me in all different ways, in unique ways, because he knows how to, how to come against each one of us individually and personally. But nevertheless, there's a potential that he targets in our lives. There are a lot of examples of this that I want to show you in Scripture, just a few of them that we'll see together. Go back with me to the Garden of Eden just for a moment. Do you remember Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve were given incredible potential. God said, I want you to rule over all this amazing creation that I've given you. And, and this is the garden you're to live in. And all I'm asking you to do is not eat of one tree of the garden, in the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just stay away from that tree and, and let, let your full potential come into fruition. But nevertheless, there's an enemy that shows up in the garden. Let me read for you in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And I want you to see the subtle attack of the enemy against the potential of Adam and Eve. Now the serpent, notice this, who's that? That's the devil. Now the serpent was more crafty, key word there, beguiling. He's a liar. He twists things. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? There in that moment, Satan comes along and plants a lie into the mind of Eve and ultimately into the mind of Adam as well. And they begin to question God and they begin to allow the enemy's voice to take over from the voice of God. And the potential that was placed in them was compromised in a very significant way. Why? Because when the devil comes after a person, he's coming after your life. He's coming after your potential. He's coming after you to somehow drag you away or keep you from being everything that God created you to be. There's another interesting story in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel are slaves in Egypt, and they're slaves there for over 400 years, and they're crying out to God for deliverance, and of course God is hearing their prayers, and he's going to raise up a deliverer. And the Pharaoh at that particular time recognizes that this is a serious situation, and he's very concerned about, about the Hebrews and the multiplication of the, of the population. And he's concerned about ultimately they're, they're going to rise up against his power. And please notice what happens here in Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. The king of Egypt, that's the Pharaoh, said to the Hebrew midwives, whose name was Shifra and Puah, 
when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the, the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. He was very concerned about little boys being left into, in the Hebrew culture or population because he was concerned that ultimately a leader or a deliverer would arise, and indeed there was one coming by the name of Moses. And so you see, even before Moses comes on the scene, Satan, working through Pharaoh, is after his potential. He wants to keep him out of the picture by having all these little boys killed. In fact, it goes on in verse 22 where the Pharaoh says that all the Hebrew boys that are born have to be thrown to the crocodile-infested Nile River. There you see again the subtle attack of the enemy trying to rob the potential of people, certainly rob the potential of a man named Moses and keep him out of the mix, God tells us that, in fact, we have to be aware of those devices of the adversary against us. It even happened in the life of Jesus. Take a look at the story, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. The Magi, the wise men, came into Jerusalem looking for the Christ child. They, they asked Herod the Great, uh, where is the Christ child? Where is this child that was born king of the Jews? And Herod is, is very concerned about this. When he realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders, notice again, to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So here, Herod here, he hears from the, he hears from the Magi, from the, from the wise men, that the king of the Jews has been born. And so he wants to wipe out this one that will claim potentially his throne. He doesn't understand it's a spiritual king. Christ has been born, but nevertheless, he's concerned. So he has all these little babies in Bethlehem brought to their death. Why? Because the enemy is working behind the scenes to try to destroy potential. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, we see the enemy again trying to destroy his potential. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice this, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. It goes on to describe a multiplicity of uh, temptations that come to Jesus there. Of course, Jesus resists them each time by declaring the Word of God back to the adversary. But what you want to see here is that the enemy is after potential. He was after the potential of Adam and Eve. He was after the potential of Moses. He was after the potential of Jesus. He is after your potential as well. He comes after you and me. Why? Because he sees potential in us. That's why the apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, your enemy, my enemy, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Notice this, seeking, looking for someone to devour. What is he devouring? He will devour the potential that God placed inside of you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, the enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here, here Jesus again reminds us there's a thief who wants to steal your potential and kill your potential and destroy your potential. Satan has a goal in your life. He has a goal in all of our lives. The goal is to destroy people. It is to target us because of our potential. And the potential that is in you, the enemy, wants to somehow undermine and destroy and steal that potential. 
How does he do this? He does it by keeping us away from God, not seeking God. He keeps us by, he does this to us by tricking us and trapping us and different things in life. He does it by just a full-out assault on our potential through things that occur in our life, the traumas that come our way, the difficulties we face, the things that he orchestrates to try to bring us down. He does it by hardening our hearts out of bitterness and resentment and those kinds of things. He does it by confusing us with different philosophies of the world around us, getting us to think certain things that are completely contrary to the knowledge of God. He does it by holding us back and binding us with fear and worry and anxiety. He, he does it by par paralyzing us with the remembrances of our past, our past failures, our past mistakes, these kinds of things. He says, now I've got you right where I want you. I've locked you down and I'm paralyzing you in your past. I'm keeping you from realizing your full potential. Everybody's got some baggage. Everybody's got some stuff. And the enemy will use that against you to try to rob you of your potential. See, if our enemy can hang our past over us, if he can hold us back, and if he can say, hey, you, you can't make it. You're never going to get over this. You never, you never get past this. He can rob your confidence. He can rob your hope. He can rob your peace. He can rob your engagement with God. He can rob your engagement in service to God. Now, how does the devil do this? How does he actually paralyze us in our past? What does he do to rob us of our potential by reason of the baggage of our past? I'm going to give you five things here that he most often uses to do this. The first thing that he does, he will use the past wounds and losses of your life. For many of us, that's what our baggage is. We've got some wounds on the inside that have never healed. We've never allowed them to heal. We've never brought them to Jesus. We've never worked through them. And because of those wounds or those losses in life that we haven't grieved our way through and found our way to the other side of healing in terms of those become vulnerable points in our lives. Every pain point in your life that's not healed and not restored becomes a vulnerable point in your life where the enemy can rob potential from you. It also happens with our past disappointments. A disappointment is what you'd hoped would happen that didn't happen the way you hoped it would happen. And so the enemy will use those disappointments in life to make you bitter, to make you frustrated about life, to, as we talked about last weekend, to make you very discontent about your life. And again, it begins to be a part of looking back instead of looking forward. Look at what's happened in my life, and it's never been what I wanted it to be, and this disappointment breeds this lack of engagement. It just causes you to resign and potentially give up or certainly not give your best. The third thing that really does paralyze us as our past sins and failures. We all have them. We all have things in our life that we're not proud of, things in our life that we've done that we say, you know what, I really wish I'd not done that. And you look back with guilt and shame in your life about a certain part of your life that you wish had never been a part of your life. And the enemy brings that up and hangs it over your head and say, you, you think you're going to be something in your life? Look at what you did. Look at who you were. And that's who you are. And he begins to define us by our failures. Sometimes it's a missed opportunity that we look back on. You know, if I'd only done this, if I'd only done that, it's called a regret. And I would say that there are regrets in all of our lives, if we're honest. I've heard people say before, you know, I'm living my life. I have no regrets. Well, I'm not sure who they are because everybody probably has some regrets in life. And I'm sure you have some regrets in your life. And if we're not careful, it will, it will become what we look at and what we focus on. And, you know, if I'd just done this or if I'd just done that, and it hangs over our head as baggage. 
Sometimes it's just looking back over the past years and say, you know what, maybe I've missed my opportunity because I'm just too old now. I've gotten to this point, and maybe there's no way of recapturing opportunities of the past and, uh, and things that I missed because I've let my life get away from me. It's important that we become free that we allow Jesus to be the way maker in our lives, to make a way where there is no way, getting out of our past. Because our past is having, if, if, if that's the case, if it's robbing our potential, what's going on is it's shutting down all of our growth and it's, it's controlling our decisions, it's destroying our sense of value and our sense of worth, it's restricting, as I mentioned a moment ago, our service to God, it's draining our spiritual and our emotional and our physical energies, it's limiting who God made you and I to be. I want to make a very important statement right now, please listen to this. You may want to write it down. It's not on your notes, but you may want to write it down. God never uses the past against you in this life. God never uses your past against you. God is the God that wants you to get past your past and to help you to get past any kind of baggage in your life, any kind of wounds in your life, any kind of brokenness in your life that's been a part of where you were in life, the old part of you. He wants to help you get beyond that so you can experience the new he has in store for you. God never, God never, never, never. This is an important biblical mindset to understand. God never uses the, uses the past against people. He will never use your past against you. That's the business of the devil. That's the business of the devil. The devil will always seek to use your past against you. God will never use your past against you. That brings me to my third thing, and I want to focus on today on a story that we'll see in just a moment. But the principle that we want to bring this around to in terms of the hope that we have is to understand that Jesus actually made a way out of your past into the new. He's made that way. It's already there for you. That way out has been provided by Jesus. And to understand this truth, it's really helpful to study the story of one of the main characters of the, of the gospel story of Jesus, and that's a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. I'm not sure if you've ever studied anything about this lady's life, Mary Magdalene, but she's an, a very interesting and important part of the gospel story. And she was a lady with a very terrible past. There's one primary verse in the Bible that identifies for us the past of Mary Magdalene. And I want you to take a look with me at Luke chapter 8 because I want you to see her past and then we're going to see how Jesus made the way out for her and how this applies to us. Luke chapter 8 verse 2 tells us about the past of Mary Magdalene. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. This is describing the women that followed Jesus along with his 12 disciples. And it's saying there were some women who had been cured of evil spirits. So there were some women around who had, who had been delivered by Jesus from the evil spirits, the demonic spirits in their lives and, and diseases and sicknesses. So they, they had really become loyal to Jesus, his disciples as well. And, that, and then there's a focus in on one particular person. Her name is Mary Magdalene. And the Bible says that Jesus had delivered her from seven demons. Seven demons came out of Mary Magdalene when she met Christ. Think about this. Seven demons. Seven demons. Not one demon, but seven demons. This was Mary's past. At some point in time in the past, Mary had been a lady not controlled by one demon, but controlled by seven demons, seven demons. 
When you think about demonic oppression in a person's life, we ask ourselves the question, where does it come from? And one of the most common sources of demonic oppression in a person's life is trauma. So it's, it's, it's possible that Mary Magdalene had had some severe trauma in her life, that it resulted in this demonic oppression. Another common source of, of demonic oppression in a person's life is lingering guilt and shame. So maybe there was something or some things in Mary Magdalene's life that she had, she had failed in, that she'd made some terrible mistakes in. She felt guilty and it had opened the door in her life to the adversary. Maybe there was anger and bitterness at one point in her life that had resulted in giving a foothold to the enemy. We don't know what it what had opened the door uh, for these evil forces in her life. But here is Mary Magdalene before she met, meets Jesus and she's locked in in her life to these seven demons that are controlling her, robbing her of her potential, robbing her of the creation that God had called her and made her to be. We don't know exactly how she was demonized, but we know that she was. And this is the primary scripture in the Bible. This is the only scripture that really defines for us and describes for us who she was before she met Jesus. But it's interesting that having heard that part of the story and knowing where she came from, it's quite interesting to see where she ends up in her life. Because when she meets Jesus, everything changes. Her life begins to change. Jesus delivers her from these seven demons. She's set free from them. And the focus of the story, really the main focus of the story of Mary Magdalene's life is not what she was, but what she became. It's not what she had done in the past, but what she started to do in her new relationship with Jesus. How she came out of the old and came into the new. How she was freed from the paralysis of her past. Let me walk you through just a few examples of this in Mary Magdalene's life. What did she end up being? What potential comes to fruition in her life when she meets Jesus? Well, in John chapter 19, verse 25, we see that Mary Magdalene was one of the ones who was at the cross with Jesus when he passed away. The Bible says in chapter 19, verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and notice this, Mary Magdalene, who was close to Jesus, who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus passed away, when he died on the cross for our sins. Mary Magdalene was one of the ones that was there in loving relationship with Christ. So the one from whom he had delivered seven demons, that was her past. Now in her present, she was there when Jesus passed away. We see her at the burial tomb when Jesus is taken away down off the cross in chapter 15 of the Gospel of Mark, verse 47. It says, Mary Magdalene and the mother, Mary the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So, so Mary was there seeing where they put Jesus in the tomb. And so she's, she's loyal. She's committed. She has a loving relationship with Christ, a committed relationship as one of his disciples. She loves him along with, with the mother of Joseph and, of course, uh, Mary, uh, the wife of Clopas, and uh, Jesus' mother himself, she's a part of that group of people who are there honoring and still loving him to the very end, serving him to the very end. And then in Mark chapter 16, verse 1, we see Mary Magdalene going to the tomb of Jesus to anoint his body after he'd been buried. And the Bible says when the Sabbath was over, that's after a, sab a Saturday, the Sabbath, on this Easter morning, as we'll see in just a moment, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother, uh, the Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. So she shows up there at the tomb along with these other ladies to anoint the body of Jesus uh, at his burial spot. 
And then we see her experiencing Jesus' resurrection and the resurrected Christ in John chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple that would have been John, the one Jesus loved. And he said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. And so there she was looking for Jesus, trying to find him there in the empty tomb. And as you read John chapter 20, and you continue you to read that passage, you see that there Jesus reveals himself to Mary Magdalene as the resurrected Savior and gives her the commission to go and tell all of the disciples that he's risen from the grave. This is the lady that the enemy tried to destroy. This is the lady who had a terrible past. This is the lady who had seven demons living in her, and she was stuck in a very oppressed place in her life. But she meets Jesus, and she's there at the cross, and she's there at the tomb, and she's there at the moment that Jesus has risen from the grave to meet him, and she's given the commission to go and tell the disciples that he's risen from the grave. And that's what we see in chapter 20 of John, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had, uh, told them that he had said these things to her. It's quite obvious here in the story that the woman who once had seven demons was no longer paralyzed by her past. She was free. Satan did everything he could do to try and destroy Mary's potential, but Jesus made a way out of her past into a glorious present and into an eternal future. And I want to remind you today in your, in your life, in this new year together, that if the enemy is paralyzed by your past, please remember something. Jesus never holds your past against you. He's ready and willing and able to free you from anything that might be baggage from your past, things that represent the old part of you into the newness of life that he promises you uh, through faith in him. There are a lot of scriptures that we could look at. I'm going to conclude with just a few today, and I want you to hear these as invitations to you today. That Whoever you are right now, whatever you're going through in your life, as you look back on your past, and maybe the old has been holding you back, and you say, you know, I'd love to go into something new with my life, but it feels like there's just so much old there. Here are some scriptures that I want you to hear coming from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God directly to you today. Would you hear these words? Here they are. Here's what Jesus says himself in John chapter 1, verse 12. John records, it, records this about Jesus. Yet to all who did receive him, receive Christ to those who believed in his name, he, Jesus, gave the right to become children of God. There's no qualifying here. There's no, hey, if you're good enough, you get into the kingdom. No, it's not about being good enough. It's those who believe in his name, who put their faith in him. Then they're given the right to become children of God, to come into the family. And when you come into the family, you come into a, to a family that, uh, where you're loved and where you have an inheritance and where your potential can be realized. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, let these words be words to you today. If you feel like you're stuck in the old and you'll never make it into the new, hear the words of Jesus coming to you today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. 
and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's nothing like rest, and rest comes when you know that you're safe in God's arms. There's a future for you and a hope for you. It brings rest and security to your life. Listen to Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. Again, these are words for you today. Are you living in the old? Are you stuck in a paralysis of the past? Are you stuck feeling like you'll never get out of this? You never can overcome that? Or maybe God will never forgive you for this? Are you stuck there? Hear these words. The Spirit and the Bride, the Holy Spirit and the Bride of Christ say, Come, come, and what? Come where? Come to Jesus and let the one who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes take the free gift. Notice you don't earn it, you don't pay for it, it's a free gift. Take the free gift of the water of life, the refreshing water that the woman at the Samaritan well, the Samaritan woman at the well received in her life that brought her into the newness of life. That same water is available for you today. It's available for your life to drink of, to be refreshed and realize there is hope for my future. I don't need to be paralyzed by my past any longer. I love Revelation chapter 21, verse number 5. He who is seated on the throne, and who is that? That's Jesus, seated on the throne of heaven. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Are you hearing Jesus say to you today, I'm here in your life to make everything new. What does Jesus say to you? I believe he says to you the same thing he said to the man who had been for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda never being able to experience healing. He was paralyzed. He's laying on a mat. He's paralyzed. He's down. Life has beat him down. He's tried many times to get well. And every time he's tried, it's not worked out for him. You can read the whole story in John chapter 5, and he's frustrated about it. He feels like he will never get out of what he's stuck in from his past. It's been 38 years where he's been paralyzed, and Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to get well? The man affirms that he wants to get well, and notice what Jesus said to him. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. My prayer for you today is to understand that Jesus is your way maker. He's the way out of your paralysis from the past. And Jesus comes to you, and among all the many things he's saying to you today, he's looking at you and saying, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Don't live down in what's old any longer. Rise up and walk into the new life that I have in store for you. My prayer is that kind of hope and faith would rise in your heart today and that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this word is not just meant for someone else. It's meant for you. It's a word of God to you today. God says, I am your way maker. I will bring you out of the paralysis of your past. I will move you from the old into the new. If he did it for Mary Magdalene, he will do it for you. If he did it for the man by the pool of Bethesda, he will do it for you. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray today? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to study your word. We're grateful for the story of Mary Magdalene in the Bible and how we can be reminded of the fact that you took someone who was demonized with seven demons, someone who could have had their entire potential robbed of them, but you came into their lives. You made a way where there was no way so that Mary Magdalene could reach the potential of being a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus, an influencer of others a preacher of the gospel to others, a declarer of the good news that you had risen from the grave. 
So, Lord, I pray that that story today would find deep uh, resonance and, and deep planting in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I pray for anyone that's here who perhaps feels as though there's no hope for them because of their past, there's no future. I pray that today they would realize that you're speaking to them. Pick up your mat. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. I am doing a new thing in you. Seal this word in our heart. By your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.